What's up? Welcome back to Project Freelance. How's it going, guys? My name is Kay Anagonio. I am your host here on this podcast, and this week my guest is all the way in Vienna, Austria. I am talking to Matthias Hombauer, and I am super excited to dive into this topic today. So he is a concert photographer. He's been doing concert photography for about 10 years. He has a PhD in molecular biology, and he pivoted to start doing concert photography. And I think his story is super amazing, super incredible. He's a self-taught photographer and he started an online uh, video learning course about how to become a rock star photographer. That's literally the website, howtobecomearockstarphotographer.com. Check it out. And he also has a podcast. He does all kinds of different things. And I really wanted to have him on this podcast. We've been trying to coordinate for for months now. And uh, he's got two kids, so it's hard to coordinate all that stuff. But now with this quarantine, we actually had some time to sit down and do this podcast. And so I'm super grateful to jump into this podcast. But before we do that, I have to let you know, I have a book out called No Tracers, An Urban Explorer's Diary. It is full of photography from abandoned places all over the United States and a few places internationally. And if you guys are into crazy stories about exploration, definitely check that out. There's a link down in the description for you, as well as a bunch of affiliate links to things that may help you start with photography, like if you need a camera or a drone or a tripod or a backpack or a solar charger. There are affiliate links to Amazon down in the description. I get a little bit of kickback every time you guys use one of those links. So thank you in advance for supporting me. And lastly, I just want to say thank you to my Patreon supporters. You guys are killing it. You guys are helping me create amazing content collaborations and If you guys join the Patreon, you get early access to the podcast, you get early access to my covers, my original music, you get photo prints, you get all kinds of crazy stuff over there on the Patreon. So if you guys want to support me further, head to patreon.com slash just the letter K. And the last thing I want to let you guys know about is if you would like a signed photo print from me, a free signed photo print from me from an abandoned place, all you got to do is leave a rating or some feedback on this podcast. So if you guys leave a rating and feedback, send me a screenshot to Project Freelance on Instagram or Twitter, and I will send you a signed photo print from an abandoned place that I have explored. And without further ado, I would like to jump into this podcast. So Matthias, please introduce yourself and what it is you do to the Project Freelance audience. Yeah, hello, my name is uh, Matthias Hombauer. I have a PhD in molecular biology, but I followed my passion instead and became a music photographer slash online entrepreneur. So that's a huge, you know, juxtaposition between your your talents, your skills, the things you went to school mm. for. Uh, let's go back a little bit. Let's talk about, you know, molecular biology and how you got into that in the first place. What what kind of sparked that in your in your youth? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, actually, I st- started to become really interested in how our body works because I thought, okay, I'm in this awesome body as a human being, but I don't have a clue how the biochemistry is working or all this stuff. So I wanted to know more about. And when I want to dive into a topic, then it needs to be really deep. You know, I'm digging really deep. I want to know everything. So I thought maybe it's a cool idea to... uh, study molecular biology because molecular biology has all these topics in it like genetics and immunology and biochemistry. So I started at the University of Vienna for about five and a half years. Um, I did some internships in uh, San Diego at the Salk Institute, a really prestigious institute. Uh, I went to Hamburg uh, to, to another a prestigious institute there. And then I started my diploma thesis uh, at the Institute of Immunology in Vienna. Um, and then I followed with my PhD thesis. Uh, and all in all, it took me about nine years to, from start to finish to have my PhD degree in molecular biology in my hands. But uh, this was just the beginning of, my, of, of the start of a incredible journey because during my PhD thesis, I figured out that probably that's not really the job that I want to do the rest of my life. So in the beginning, I was really, um, you know, 
engaged and uh, motivated and I wanted to win the Nobel Prize and wanted to to heal the world or whatever or save the world from from diseases but um, it turned out that you know long working hours in the lab also on the weekends uh, there was some some issues with with money if you're not in a in a country where they spend a lot of money for research uh, then you're kind of screwed and here in Austria it's like okay uh, you need grants, you need to write papers to get money for your projects. And uh, that was really not what I was uh, expecting from the whole field and industry. And so for me, it was clear that I don't want to go the academic career. Um, the other option would be to go to a pharmaceutical company and go to the corporate world, which wasn't an option either for me. Didn't never didn't want to do this. So I needed to figure out something else. <laughs> this is how it all started. So when did you first pick up a camera? When did that become a part of your life? Yeah, this was really late. I was already 28 years old. Uh, as I said, two years in my PhD thesis out of the four and a half years. And uh, I picked up my first digital camera. I got one in Hong Kong on one of my trips because... They were, they were cheaper. I got a Canon 4GD. And I started to take photos of flowers and landscapes and random portraits like everyone else is starting, I guess. Um, and then the interesting thing that happened was once when I was riding my bike to work, um, somehow I was in this kind of flow. I was riding with my 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 fixie bike and uh, thinking about what I should do in the in the future, and all of a sudden, I heard this this voice in my head who said, "Why don't you become a concert photographer?" And the thing was really like for me it was kind of esoteric because I didn't know what is what is uh, or where this this voice comes from, and I have never heard about concert photography. What was sure clear for me was. Uh, Back then, when I was like a kid, 13 years old to 18 years old, I was playing in a death metal band. Uh, so music was always a big part in my life. I loved to go to concerts and then I start taking photos. And so from now, if I look back, I think it was, was my unconsciousness who said, hey, why don't you combine those two passions like music and photography? And what happened next when I arrived at work, uh, I googled concert photography and I found Todd Oyang's uh, webpage I should chose. And he was one of the few, the only one who was talking about concert photography back then, 10 years ago. Um, and so I got curious about and uh, started in small clubs here in Vienna, shooting my first concerts, building up a portfolio, uh, working with um, a small student blog to get access. And yeah, that's... That's kind of the story how it all started. It's it's it always amazed me when I'm looking back and and tell this story because this was this was not planned at all, right? I I was I never had an um, an education in photography. I never took photography classes, but still um, I got so curious that I decided to rather jump into the cold water and uh, go the route of a self-employed creative photographer than have a um, have a rather sure academic job after finishing my PhD. So can you talk a little bit more about that student blog that you uh, got access to shows through? I'm super mm. curious about that because we've got a lot of listeners on here that are, you know, in college right now or, you know, out of college and they're right. trying to figure out how to get into shows. And that's a super interesting way to actually get access to shows that we haven't discussed here on the uh, podcast. So can you dive into that a little bit more and talk to me about that? Sure. So, as I said, when I started out, I started out in small clubs where you could enter with a, a professional camera or a DSLR camera with a, um, with a inter with interchangeable lenses. So uh, this was no problem at all. And I always um, suggest people who want to start out as a concert photographer check out the clubs and the bars uh, in your location where you can enter with the camera. So normally in smaller clubs. It's there is no issue, there is no problem to take a DSLR camera with you and take photos of bands. So this is the start. Most likely, 
you have shitty lights, it's hard, <laughs> but you know, you have don't have any photo pit or whatever, but you need to start somewhere. And this is this is a, a tip that I also got from a lot of my podcast guests. Uh, probably some of you know about my project, How to Become a Rockstar Photographer. I'm sure we're talking about this a little bit later. Uh, but I did a podcast and interviewed the 100 best concert photographers on this planet. And one of the the common topics that arised was how did you start out as a concert photographer? So this was a question I always ask. And most likely everyone said, start out in small clubs where you can enter without any um, accreditation or photo pass and start from here, build your portfolio. So this is what I did. I took some photos from, from smaller bands, uh, built together a portfolio of 10 photos or 15 photos or so. And then uh, I got into touch with uh, a student blog uh it was not only music they always also had you know fashion and uh film and all this stuff but it, it was a small blog and the cool thing about it was that they were looking for photographers to cover kind of the concerts here in vienna and um, the even better part was that those uh, these guys were in touch with uh, the biggest promoter here in vienna so in vienna it's, you know in vienna there are probably 1 million people and that's it. And there are a couple of clubs. It's really small, really small scene. And uh, there are just a handful of promoters, not like in the US probably. Um, and so they had a good contact and they were friends with one of the main promoters with the guys from the promoters. And so it was really easy to get access to, um, to clubs or to concerts where you needed to have a photo accreditation. So how it worked was... I applied for, let's say, TV on the radio in this uh, club with 2,000 uh, people capacity. And they said, yeah, okay, you need a photo pass. So I asked these guys from the student um, blog and they got to the promoter and said, hey, can we send a photographer there? Uh, we want to take photos. And they approved it. I got the photo pass from the magazine and the exchange was, I get access to the photo pit. I can take photos for my portfolio and I deliver the photos to the blog so they have content as well. So there was no money involved. It's like a give and take. It's a win-win situation for both. You get access, they get the photos. And this is what I would suggest to everyone. So if you're starting out, as I said, start in small clubs where you don't need accreditation. But if you want to uh, get to the next step where you want to get in clubs where you need a photo pass, search for online blogs, online magazines. Uh, they're probably not paying, but you get the access and you get new photos from more famous bands and you can build up your portfolio from there. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I started a similar way. You know, I started at a small local venue where I could bring my camera in, you know, same kind of thing. And I think that that is a very universal thing. I think we all start from the ground up with the uh, the horrible lighting and <laughs> the tiny clubs with no photo pit. And I think exactly. that's the best way to learn. Like, basically, if you can survive that, you can you can shoot in any kind of environment, you know, so... That's that's the beauty of it. It's it's hard in the beginning, but once you're starting to shoot Metallica or Red Hot Chili Peppers, it's so easy then because the lighting is so good. And then it's more like how to get the access. It's not about how to get awesome photos because you always get awesome photos, I would say, most of the time. Uh, if if you have a, a huge stage which is lit well, then it's more the, the challenge how to get access to those bands. Yeah. Shows. Absolutely. So for you, let's fast forward a little bit. When did it go from just doing some being something that you love doing, you know, as concert photography and working with these this student mm. blog to the point where you started getting paid to take photos at concerts? Mm. Um, I would say the big break came when I was working with uh, Fat Boy Slim directly. So Fat Boy Slim was playing or headlining an electronic festival here. And uh, I just thought maybe that would be cool to to shoot him as well and take some photos. And what I figured out is I like to be in the photo pit and shoot for the first three songs, no flash with this rule. But wouldn't it be cool to get in touch with those guys directly and work with them and being on stage and have all the access and building a relationship to all of my idols uh, from the past? Because this was kind of the 
uh, my vision or, or the driving force was I wanted to work with with the guys that, that I really loved and with the music that I really or the music that really inspired me in my life. So I just wrote them an email at the management address and uh, surprisingly they wrote back and said, yeah, let's do this. Um, let's do a, a portrait session before the gig and then you can shoot the whole concert or the whole DJ session in this case. Wow. Um, yeah, this was this was huge. <laughs> I mean, I was shaking. I was so nervous. And, you know, this was also my first portrait shooting of a, a famous act. And this was also the longest I've ever done. I mean, he gave me 30 minutes and I was, oh my gosh, what should I do 30 minutes with this guy <laughs> backstage? Because, you, you know, I just had my, my flash. I had an off-camera flash because I was um, watching Zach Arias' One Light Workshop. So for everyone who wants to get into off-camera flash photography, Zach Arias and his workshop One Light I think one light workshop it's called is is really really the best one to start with. And so yeah, there I was back with uh Fat by Slim and his assistant 30 minutes in the backstage area with uh, you know a room with white walls and a couch. <laughs> and that's it. You cannot go outside because all the guys are out there and waiting for the concert. So it was uh, yeah, it, it was nerve-wracking, but it, it turned out great. I got some great shots. And this is when everything started where I thought, okay, I mean, I can do it. Even though I'm a self-taught photographer, even though I have no idea about uh, the business side, even though I'm you know, sitting in Vienna, why are those guys working with me? So I, I can do it. And so this was then my, my attitude or my mindset. And so from there, I started to to um, get in touch with bands directly. Um, I was touring then with the German band, with Chantel. It's a Balkan band. I was uh, flying to Mexico with him for two days. You know, uh, I was touring um, the festival season in Europe with him. Uh, then I, I started to work directly with the Prodigy and was one of the personal uh, photographers uh, also did some promo shots and some of them were in the last album, The Days Man Me. Um, then Instagram reached out to me and they, uh, they flew me into France and I was doing the biggest uh, festival in France, a five days festival for Instagram directly and we're shooting. Uh, yeah, Whoa. it's crazy. I mean, I got an email from, from, got an email from a girl from France in my spam order, spam folder. Uh, which says, yeah, we are Instagram and uh, they wanted to, or they're searching for photography. If I'm up to it, they're flying me in for five days. And I, mm-hmm, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I needed to get back to her and I, it turned out it's legit. And boom, there I was standing what? somewhere in La Rochelle on the, <laughs> on the West Coast in France for five days. And, you know, it's just crazy because there were hundreds photographers from France and I was the only guy from abroad and I got all the access. I was shooting portraits of all those bands backstage and everyone was asking, who is this asshole? Why is he here? <laughs> <laughs> why, why is it not us? And yeah, and so it it went on. And I mean, the, the peak I would say from my career was like a couple of months ago when I was invited to, to fly to Saudi Arabia and uh, shoot there five times. So I was flying in on Thursday and flying back on Saturday and they were doing uh, huge uh, music festivals there. And um, uh, the fascinating thing about it is that Saudi Arabia, as probably people know, is not really the most open country, right? So they just opened opened it last year for visas, tourist visa. Normally you couldn't get into it only for business. And it was also forbidden to play music outside. So they don't have cafes with music because you cannot even go there and you cannot go as a, as a boy and a girl or a man and a woman. So it's everything is separated. If you went to a, um, yeah, to any event, uh, you had different seats for men and then there were the, the women somewhere else. And so for them, it's huge that they open it um, and had these huge uh, music festivals going on. And for them, it's the first time that they can celebrate together. And there were all these this big names in, in rap. So Lil Wayne and uh, DJ Snake. And then there was Marshmallow and Adam Walker and uh, a, lot of, a lot of guys there. And this was just crazy for me because you're flying there for two days, you know, being in Vienna, 
next day you're in the middle of the desert shooting some weird bands and then go back and next day you're back in Vienna and it was kind of a dream and did this really happen to me what's going on here so this was quite and this was for uh by the way for live nation middle east the biggest promoter worldwide so this is kind of a short cut of what i did yeah so <laughs> when you're in saudi arabia do you realize that you're capturing history like you're literally like capturing history taking place like the first huge festival in saudi arabia and you're there and you're you're the guy like exactly. you're the guy dude like how did that feel like that's incredible yeah and, and, yeah, and the crazy thing i was the only one or the only official photographer shooting there <laughs> i mean what happened what would happen if i got ill or something or wasn't there so it was crazy. And in the beginning, you know, the first weekend, they didn't really have a plan because they've never... <laughs> yeah, they had no idea. Um, they, they, they never arranged such huge masses. I mean, there were people like, you know, 25, 30,000 in the audience. And then all of a sudden, we had all access to the stage for the whole current concert for Imagine Dragon. I mean, normally this is not happening. But <laughs> <laughs> there you are, standing on stage in Saudi Arabia and shooting the whole concert of Imagine Dragons. Yeah, I, wow. things happen and I think you just need to take the opportunity and you have to be open and you need to to learn to leave your comfort zone because, I mean, that's just a... If you would have told me like a year ago that they will fly to Saudi Arabia and get paid for it to do what I love, I mean, I would just ask you if you're crazy. But <laughs> once you got get the opportunity and there are opportunities out there all the, all the day and all the time, you just need to grab it and do it and sure i mean it's again it's nerve-wracking flying to a country where you don't know what's what to expect and as i said saudi arabia is not really an open country you cannot i mean probably you can just take photos on the street but they don't want to have this so you really have to take care what you're doing there and yeah but everything worked out great so just this was, was the craziest story I've ever, uh, yeah, <laughs> whatever happened to me. <laughs> Dude, that's amazing. It's absolutely incredible to hear about it. And thank you for sharing your story with us here on, on the podcast. Sure. Um, so what real jobs, quote unquote, real jobs have you had to help you along your way as a uh, freelance concert photographer? Mm. Right. It's not... A real job, I would say, in a sense of, you know, normal job. Uh, what I did um, was when I was starting with concert photography, I had the idea to start my own blog and my own homepage. Um, it was not in fashion like 10 years ago, I guess. I mean, some people did it, but I thought maybe I can do a blog, even though I have no idea how to set up a homepage, but I will do it and uh, write down my experiences from a beginner concert photographer. So I started to write personal blog entries, some you know basic camera settings that I'm using, uh, some tips on low light photography. Um, and then I figured out maybe it's cool to get a broader audience and I started guest blog postings. So uh, I wrote um, some articles for the biggest photography uh, blog in the world. It's uh, DPS Digital Photography School. Uh, they have 1.6 million email subscribers. Um, that's huge. And, and the cool thing was they didn't have any content about concert photography. So again, naive as I was, I just wrote them an email and said, hey, uh, I can write an article about concert photography. Are you guys interested? And they got back and said, yeah, for sure. Um, so this article is article is now shared 60,000 times or so until now for the last couple of years. Uh, so you see, it's a really a big blog. And so what happened is uh, because of this, I guess, uh, that a lot of people got aware of this blog. So normally, if you're writing a guest blog post for everyone who is new to this, this business, uh, you need to deliver unique content. So it's not that you have this article on your page and you just copy and paste it to them. So they want to have unique, uh, um, a unique article or unique content. And the reason is because Google is uh, penalizing double content. So if, you, if Google sees it on, on two pages, one gets penalized, whatever. Um, 
But the thing is, in the end of the article, you will have a, a box with your bio and a link. And it's important to have links from big um, pages, homepages or blogs or magazines and whatever it is, back backlinks to your site. And so I started this and I was lucky enough to really build this brand. I called it How to Become a Rockstar Photographer. Um, and now if you Google concert photography or concert photography settings, I'm always appearing in the first three of Google. And that's really cool. So this is really an organic driven online business. Back then it wasn't a business, it was just a personal blog. But then I figured out if so many people are interested in it and everyone in the world has the same challenges to face, like how to get access, what's the best camera settings, uh, what's the, the three songs rule. So there are common common topics I figured out. Uh, why not writing an ebook? And so I started to write an ebook and uh, learned how to uh, get email addresses. And then I sold my ebook on my homepage. Uh, a couple of hundred people bought it. And then I thought, okay, why not doing a video course out of it? And so I started to um, to release or publish my video course, Shooting the Rockstars. This is my, my premium online academy. Um, and this became my business, uh, which helped me to establish me as a concert photographer, even though I didn't have an, uh, a regular income as a concert photographer. But... Um, this online business really worked because it's, as I said, uh, organic. So people are Googling, they're finding me. And then uh, if they're interested and they want to know more about, they probably um, get the book or get the course. And uh, so I was able to establish a, a worldwide community of passionate concert photographers with now an email list of about 5,000. Uh, you know, the... Uh, that the homepage was read by more than 200,000 people worldwide from more than 100 countries. So it's really cool to see that we are all passionate about music and photography and everyone has the same issues. And I'm really grateful that I was able to build this community and uh, yeah, to provide help and get people moving if they're interested in, in living their dream as a concert photographer. So your video course, I want to talk a little bit more about that because, you know, that's something I'm also interested in doing is a, a video course on, you know, a, a specific type of photography. And my uh, my thing, whenever I'm not shooting a concert or when I'm not freelancing as a videographer, I actually explore abandoned places. And so I want to start mm -hmm. this whole series on like how to start exploring this kind of stuff because, you know, people are looking nice. for it. People are curious about it. And so I think it would be fun to do something like that. So when you made your video course, um, did you film it all yourself? Did you do all the editing? Did you create everything by yourself? Or what was your process with <laughs> yeah, that? Yeah, it, it it was a mess. Uh, it took me like six months to figure out how to do it because it's easy to say, yeah, let's do a video course. But then you figure out, okay, probably I should be in front of the camera. So I had my... Uh, my Nikon camera set it up. Then, okay, I need some lighting. So I got some some lights. Then I had this. Then I was thinking, okay, I will just record the sound. And then I figured out, okay, the sound just sounds not really great from the internal mic from the camera. So I got the, uh, a shotgun mic. And then I had a, a Zoom, an audio recorder, external audio recorder to to get the, the sound quite right. And then I was standing in front of my camera and I had uh, pre-written all the text and uh, a friend of mine um, had a look at it, uh, that's, uh, that everything works and everything is, uh, is fine with the text. And then I was standing in front of the camera and couldn't even uh, or barely talk <laughs> two sentences from it because I was so nervous. So the whole thing started and uh, I thought, okay, what should I do? And then I got on Kickstarter and I got some... Um, some teleporter, I think it's called. Uh, that's a thing. It's kind made of mirrors, and you can screw oh, a teleprompter. It on your camera lens, and then you see a teleprompter. Yeah, teleprompter, and then you see the the text um, coming up, and you're looking directly into the lens. It's a little bit small because it fits your camera, but it worked quite right. So what I did with this video course is. I would have loved to be, you know, filmed externally by a team when I'm 
on a concert or in the photo pit or on stage, but it was too complicated uh, because as you might know and everyone else who is listening, um, it's shooting concerts, it's, it's rather limited if you're not friends with the band. So normally you have these three songs, no flash rule, where you're in the photo pit for three songs and then you have to leave. Uh, that's for photos. If you're shooting video, it's different because sometimes you, you can't record audio. Sometimes you can just shoot the first three, uh, 30 seconds or so. Uh, so it wouldn't have been... I, I was not able to get someone in there and film me externally. So what I did is it's kind of a, a theoretical uh, course. So I was, I'm standing in front of the camera talking a little bit and then I'm switching to my um, keynote presentation. And... You know, I have this this keynote presentation and then talking about how to do the business or I talk about contracts and how to tour with bands and all this stuff. So it's more like this kind of course. But it works. I have now like 400 students in there, I guess, from the premium course. And there was not even one complaint about why it's not like a, a live course where I'm shooting bands. So I think... It's really more about the information. So if someone has great information or uh, helps you starting this business or, or whatever it is, it's more important than you know having the best filmed, highly produced masterclass-like course. Because nowadays, if you have a look at all these webinars and all these courses like masterclass with the, the Hollywood celebs, I mean, that's you, you're frightened because you think, think why should I do a course I mean I cannot do it it's so high performance glossy magazine look how should I how can I do it but it seems it's not really that important I mean sure you, you need to have great audio quality but it's more or less about the the information you're providing and if the information is good then you can also be just in front of your webcam or in front of your you know iPhone that's all good and definitely do definitely do a course. Yeah, definitely do a course. It's it's a lot of fun to do it, and then it's also awesome to see that you can help people, and people are really um, yeah getting to the next level because of your course. So I would highly suggest do it, even though it's even though it's a pain in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think the uh, the coming up with like exactly what to say and. I mean, a teleprompter is probably the best way to go about it. And uh, instead of having to do like take right. after take after take. So uh, thank you for, you know, diving right. into and that for you, a little bit. Sure. And for you, probably it's easier because, you know, you're a filmmaker. So yeah. you know more than me. I had no, no clue about what I'm doing with video. And so until this day, I'm staying away a little bit from video because it's too complex. Uh, so therefore, I also decided to do the podcast because it's only audio. And it's complex enough for me just to have audio files, but it's it's still not so complicated and complex than video. So that's kind of interesting. Like um, there are some concert photographers that choose to do video and photo, but I think it's cool that you've you know stayed with photo and you're so so dedicated to that. When you do gigs, do you um, do you ever work with other shooters? Do you ever work with a videographer? Do you work with other photographers, um, or are you always shooting by yourself? Yes. Uh, the reason why I was not into video is because uh, until recently I was shooting a Nikon D700 and it has <laughs> no video function. So this was good for me because I never wanted to go into video. Um, but what I have heard from tour photographers like uh, Kat Pensova, who is the tour photographer of Guns N' Roses and, you know, uh, all, all these other other great guys who are touring with Billie Eilish and uh, 30 Seconds to Mars and Shawn Mendes. So what artists want to have most likely are photos and videos. So I guess if you're a tour photographer right now, you should be able to deliver both. So on tour, I think it's it's a little bit easier because you can probably focus one day on photo, one day on video or something like this. So this works. But I was once asked to do photo and video and I had three songs in the photo pit and I said, there is no way to do it because I will screw up both. Nothing will work. So either I concentrate on photos for three songs or I do the do video, which I couldn't do anyhow. Uh, so I just did photos in the end. Um, 
for the Saudi Arabia job, for example, I got hired by a video company. So there were four guys from Dubai who uh, shoot exclusively video and they also had a drone, which was really cool. Uh, and I was the only one who did stills. So that's a way that's working. Uh, I also know people who uh, yeah, work in teams where there are dedicated videographers and, and still photographers. But normally, if you're on tour and you know with a smaller band, they might can't afford to have two guys on. And the reason is most likely they anyhow have no space in their little tour bus. So if you can join as a photographer of one person, then it's already uh, enough. So I don't think that people, or that's likely to, to get two people on tour in a, in a small tour bus just to have video and photos. So I guess the, the new way to do it, if you want to go to a, be a tour photographer, try to deliver both stills and video. Perfect. Awesome. Um, so who are some of your favorite photographers or, or influences as far as photography goes? Yeah, there are a lot, even though I'm trying not to be influenced sure, sure, too sure. much from, from other photographers, because, you know, uh, a surefire to, to failure is if you want to copy someone. And even though it's unconscious, uh, you see all these great photos and it happened to me as well. I mean, Javier Pragado, for example, it's a Madrid-based heavy metal photographer and he's always doing these cool ultra-wide shots of heavy metal bands and it always looks awesome. Um, and I also tried it, but they never looked like Tim and so I was frustrated. <laughs> so I, I stopped doing, uh, or, or tried to stop doing uh, only ultra-wide angle. And when I talked to him, because he's also a dear friend of mine, he said he has so many photos that look look shitty but he's just posting the great ones mm. so this is also something that people need to realize the body of work that we are seeing on instagram and then social media platforms and then the portfolios from photographers this is really the best work and from my experience i'm doing this now for 10 years you know and i have a portfolio of 15 of 20 shots which look great and awesome and i'm really proud of them but there are so many photos that i don't show and most likely people see all those photos and think, wow, they are so great. And these are the best photographers. And how can I do it? But if you lift the curtain, you will see there are tens of thousands <laughs> of shitty photos sitting on the hard drives that you will never see. So yeah. no worries about this. And not, not every concert uh, gives you the killer shots. So when I started out with photography, one of my... Uh, yeah, my idol. So one of my mentors was Chase Chavis. Uh, he's not, you know, Chase Chavis. Uh, yeah, I've heard, I've heard the name, but I... uh, yeah, right. He's he, he started he started with action photography. He's a little bit of music, but not really a lot. But he did a lot of action sports and portraits, and then uh, he went on and uh, is the or founded Creative Life, this online platform. Um, I think it's the the biggest online live platform it's called creative life and you will find courses for for photography for graphic design for business everything um, and he was kind of a mentor for me and i was really really grateful that he was also a guest on my podcast because you know following someone for 10 years and then having him on the mic and talking to him for an hour this was just awesome um especially because uh i think he said a uh, coaching hour for him is like ten thousand dollars so the podcast really worked yeah yeah so the podcast worked really fine for me um that that's also a reason why you should do a podcast if you don't have <laughs> yeah anyway now yeah and, and so and so i started and then yeah i mean there are a lot of, of photographers um also from my podcast i mean there's cat benzer by the guns and roses photographer then i interviewed people like needle preston he was uh, the first photographer of Led Zeppelin and The Who and Queen back in the 70s. Then there's Baron Wallman. He was the first Rolling Stone magazine photographer back in 69 and was doing iconic shots at Woodstock. And, you know, there are a lot of guys. Um, I have to say everyone on my podcast, like the hundreds, hundred guys there, everyone has um, their own style and yeah, I love all those photos. So I would say pick 
a handful of guys that you're following, but don't fee don't fall into the trap that uh, you want to copy them because that's as I said that's a sure fight to uh, for failure because you don't know what they are doing. Maybe they have a totally different concept. Uh, whatever it is, maybe they have different access, but. Um, or probably they're just shooting in a different style. So never try to copy someone. Try to find your own style, which is really hard. I know Scott, Scott Kelby, for example, also one of the big photographers, uh, told me the most important thing is finding your own style. And this you will get by shooting, shooting, shooting. And there is this saying that you need 10,000 hours to master a skill. So better you get out and take some photos. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that we are currently locked up in quarantine because of this coronavirus situation, right. but what, what are your future plans? Do you have any big projects coming up at the end of this year, maybe, or next year that you can talk about yet um, or anything exciting on the horizon? Yeah. So I'm excited about switching a little bit my projects. Um, first of all, I mean, being a concert photographer right now is really hard I guess and uh, I, I have this uh, monthly yeah impossible I have this mastermind group uh, from my shooting the rocks the students who joined my course uh, they are a bunch of, of worldwide concert photographers and we're meeting up every month now every two weeks and it doesn't matter if you talk to guys in New Zealand or in the US or in England or somewhere else everyone says uh, yeah they have no job at all everything um felt apart in New Zealand they told me that uh, it's now sure that by the end of 2020 uh, if you want to go to New Zealand you have to self-quarantine yourself for two weeks so no band will be there playing I guess <laughs> no wow. one wants to stay in New Zealand for two weeks um, the guys in the, the US I don't know if you have heard it but last time they told me that there might be plans to start concerts again by autumn of 2021. Mm -hmm. So, which is kind of, you know, in, in a year and a half. That's crazy. So, uh, that's, that's crazy. So what I would suggest is uh, that you rather search for, you know, other opportunities mm -hmm. uh, as a photographer, because it doesn't matter if you're a concert photographer or a wedding photographer or a corporate photographer, uh, we are all screwed kind of. And uh, so what people are doing or starting right now is to doing these webinars and online seminars or doing Facebook lives and telling, you know, what they're doing and teaching people. So this is anyhow what I'm doing all the time. Um, so what I am what I'm doing right now is uh, to establish my brand as, as a person like Matthias Um So what I'm going to do is to teach people kind of the, first of all, how to build an online community, because this is, I think really something important. And, you know, you have those guys who are preaching in your Facebook ads, uh, just by fast Facebook ads. And then you can, 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 sell your courses and you can get your community but uh, the thing is once you stop paying facebook you won't have any ads which means or which results in there won't be any guys interested in you because no one knows about you so what i've learned with this project how to become a rockstar photographer is how to build organic communities and this is really something totally different because then you will get people who are really passionate you can connect with them and it's like you know there are you get your new friends as well and it's like a family so i will trying to teach this in in a webinar or in courses and uh, i also want to show people how i was able to to juggle all these different uh jobs and bring it to mastery so how how could I finish a PhD? How could I start a photography business from scratch and being successful? How could I start an online business without any idea what I'm doing? How could I do a podcast with 100 interviews? And I figured out there are some common um, common pillars to, to all these projects, uh, which goes back to you know your mindset, your daily habits and stuff like this. So I will kind of go into this direction as well. And yeah, for concert photography, hopefully uh, the Saudis um, 
calling back by the end of the year, but I'm not really sure if they can do a festival in December uh, with the size like this. So I guess the best bet is to really have your eyes open. Now it's a good time to to reflect on yourself. Uh, where did you come so far in life? Is it really what you want to do? Is there anything you're passionate or dream of? And how can you start this uh, this side hustle, for example, uh, to your normal day job if you have no home office or to your creative job as a, as a photographer? I guess everything will change somehow. Probably it's getting back to normal, but you never know. Probably you just have concerts on your live stream. And I'm always joking, probably we will sit in front of our computer and taking photos of our <laughs> <Yeah>. screens <laughs> from, from live stream concerts or so. <laughs> I've already seen some of the memes going around concert photographers in 2020 and it's just photos of the laptop screen and it's hilarious. Right, right. This would be also fun. I mean, what a lot of, of, of guys are doing now is building their portfolio or, you know, doing doing new portfolio uh, reviews for themselves. That's all cool. I mean, just post all your photos on, on Instagram. But the thing is, everyone is doing it and honestly saying... Ugh. Who is really interested in seeing the 10,000 uh, concert photo on a day because everyone is posting right now and doing the, the portfolio review. So I think, yeah, think out of the box, try to get something else as an income stream. I was always a fan of having multiple income streams because as we have seen now with the Corona crisis, I mean, all of a sudden, uh, all your income can drop to zero from today to tomorrow. And so therefore it's, I guess, better to have at least a second leg of income, whatever it is, but uh, definitely something that's probably attached to to online because what is clear is also um, offline is nice. You can do workshops, You, but I, I know a lot of keynote speakers, you know, they have no job at all now and they don't know what to do. So they are starting to bring their content online in online courses or webinars. So I guess as a content creator, online is, is really the way to go in the future as well, even though it's already now because uh, you can reach pe people worldwide just with one click. And that's just amazing. That's, that still blows my mind. I mean, if I would have done this like 20 years ago, I would have never had the chance to build a worldwide community. How could I? I mm. mean, should I send you know, <laughs> cards to someone who wants to join my followers? So so right now, I think it's it's really the best time we have ever lived in. Um, if you consider you want to go online, build a homepage, build an online business, build an education platform, whatever. But and so therefore, I think it's a great idea what you said. Uh, if if you see that there there are guys out there who are interested in in this topic of how to shoot abandoned places and there is a need for it, then definitely go for it. And the the energy that you get from this crowd and from this community then uh, helps you to keep going because. It's also clear if you start this journey, uh, it's like a roller coaster ride, you know? It's not all easy. You have days where you think, why are you doing this? This is not going to work. There were days back then when I started out where I was, you know, every month thinking how to pay the rent the next day. And all of a sudden, boom, next day there was an email with the job again. So it's. It, it's kind of nerve-wracking, It's but it's working out. So if you believe in yourself, if you have the right mindset, and um, if you're there on the long run, there is this quote, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And that's so true. It's There are no, I mean, overnight successes are bullshit. That's not what's what's happening. That's probably what the media will tell you or what you will read. But there is this cool story about Angry Birds, this app you might know of. Uh, the famous app Angry Birds. And uh, I've read that this is from a Swedish software company and this was their 50-second game. I mean, imagine how, how often they failed before. So you really have to be there in the in the long run. And I mean, I'm there for 10, 10 years as a concert photographer and don't expect to be, you know, the next tour photographer of Metallica if you're shooting a couple of concerts. So Because normally I would say this is not how it's happening. Yeah. And uh, my last question for you is, what is something you know now that you wish you knew when you started? <laughs> my favorite quote, just fucking do things. Um, when I started out, 
for me, in my mindset, it was everything needs to be perfect. You know, you need the perfect homepage, you need the perfect equipment, you need the perfect whatever, camera settings, lighting. Uh, and I figured out, like everyone else is doing, I guess, who is uh, starting this journey uh, as a self-employed uh, creative, is that you will fail big time because you're procrastinating big time. If you want to have the perfect homepage and it takes you two months and then takes you a half year and one year later, you still have no homepage on uh, because you think, okay, maybe this font is not so good. Maybe I need this and that. That's not working. So I really love the the mindset of, of the startup culture where you say, okay, you have your smart your your smallest wild product you just go for it and try things out even though the homepage is not the best even your portfolio has not 10 kick-ass photos it has just two photos and eight okay photos but you're just starting and then you learn um through the journey there's also this quote that says it's not about uh, the end result it's about uh, the journey and this is also something that i learned Sure, it was cool to uh, publish episode 100 of my podcast, but that's just, you know, one moment in time. But the real journey was like the 100 interviews before and the friends I made and the stories I heard and the things I learned. So it's all progress, little baby steps, step by step. And um, don't be perfect. Anyhow, no one wants to have a perfect guy because then you're not authentic. I mean... Have a look at all these Instagram celebrities. Yeah, they're looking all perfect, but is their world perfect? Probably not. And if you want to communicate with normal people, quote unquote, and want to build a community or want to inspire and motivate people, then you need to be authentic. And I guess authenticity is not the same as perfection. And so this would be something I... If I would have learned this, maybe I would have saved some years in this whole process of building my concert photography career and the online business career. Awesome. Thank you. And if people want to find you to pick your brain some more, if they want to hire you for something in the future, uh, where can they do that? Where can they find you? And uh, yeah. The best, the, yeah, the best ways go to how to become a rockstarphotographer.com. That's a really long URL. I know, but it's working. Uh, people know about, know what it's about. So how to become a rockstarphotographer.com. Or uh, the short version is htbarp.com. Or you will find me on social with my name, Matthias Homba, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And yeah, I'll definitely put all of your links down in the description for people so that they can find it thank easy. You. Um, thank you so much for coming on Project Freelance and sharing your thank story. Thank you so much, Kai. All right. So that was my podcast with Matthias Hombauer. Be sure to check out all of his links down in the description. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Project Freelance. Again, my name is Kay Inagonio. I am your host every single Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. We have a new episode of Project Freelance come out. If you guys haven't checked out the previous episodes, there are over 100 episodes for you guys to dive into. So enjoy that content while you are in quarantine. Or if you're out of quarantine now when this podcast comes out and you're listening to it at a later date, thank you. Thank you for coming here. How did you find the podcast? I would like to hear from you. Please hit that subscribe button if you're new so that you guys get notified every time a new podcast comes out, which again is every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. All right, guys, I will talk to you next week on the podcast. Thank you for listening. Stay strong, keep enduring, go out and go create something.